Welcome to the first of what we hope will be many podcasts about customer success. We're envisioning this as a series of interviews with customer success leaders about how they approach customer success and implement best practices. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck and the Success League. Deck is a customer success automation platform that enables CSMs to manage their customer relationships. The Strike Deck solution enables churn prevention and upsells and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success, and we work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. For more information about the Success League, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. So my name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the founder and CEO of the Success League, and I'll be your host for today. I started my career in sales, and over the past 15 years, I've been a sales, marketing, and customer success executive. My focus has been on early and growth stage tech companies, and now I'm really excited to have a chance to help lots of different kinds of companies figure out how best to implement customer success. On a personal level, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area with my husband and my daughter and my dog, and I also serve on the board of Brisbane Dance and Theater Workshop, which is a local nonprofit that encourages children to participate in the performing arts. So that's what I do. Today, I'd like to introduce Kim Oslob, who is the VP of Operations at WISBY. Today, um, we're going to talk about how to start up a customer success team. Um, Kim, welcome. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about WISBY? Yeah, thanks, Kristen. So WISBY is a real-time customer engagement platform um, for brands. Um, basically, it uses video and chat to increase interaction on your site, which ultimately leads to um, more conversions and possibly um, more time spent on your site. Um, I have been in customer success over seven years. Uh, I started at a small company. I tend to like startup companies, so I started oh, at a too. small company. Good. Yeah, they're fun. <laughs> yeah. So I, we had a company, had um, a SaaS product, and had customers. And so I kind of formulated into that role to take care of customers, which I didn't know at the time was customer success. So I started up a team there. And now I'm at Wisby, and I'm starting up a U.S. team, although Wisby does have an international team over in Barcelona area. Um, on a personal level, um, I run a lot. For example, <laughs> I ran 35 miles over the weekend. I'm doing a big Whoa. Disney race, um, which is really cool. Do you do marathons? I do. Oh, very cool. How many marathons do you do a year? I, I'm going to be doing my fourth. Wow, yep. that's amazing. Cool. Well, as I mentioned earlier, today we're going to be talking about how to start up a customer success team. And you wrote a really cool blog post recently um, for Strike Deck about how to do that. And I thought it would be interesting to kind of expand on that in our conversation today. So um, first, I just wanted to ask, why do you feel like that's such an important topic? Yeah. So um, let me take back to like six years ago, I went to my first customer success conference. I'm going to say there was maybe like about 30 people there. And I'd say 95% of the people that attended said, I am in this customer success role, mostly VP roles, director roles, and I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. I know I'm supposed to handle the customers, but I don't really know what this is. 
um, take us up to today. I've been to several conferences over the summer and that really hasn't changed a whole lot. I mean, people know what customer success is, but they really don't know all the details of what the role involves or how to start up a team or what metrics to collect. So I think there's a lot of hunger. You'll see it on blogs. You'll see it um, at conferences for people to know how to set up a correct, you know, a team correct for the SaaS market, or it can be any other market, um, as well as what processes they need to have in place. Yeah, I've really noticed that um, it means something different for every company I talk to. Customer success means different things yes. for different companies. So I really liked your article because I felt like it was a good overview that would fit for lots of different kinds of customer success organizations. Um, so just to kind of clarify for the listeners, when you talk about starting up a team, are you talking about uh, starting a customer success team from scratch or are you talking about joining an existing team maybe as a new leader? Yeah, I think both of them are relevant in the case because if you're starting up a new team, obviously you need to put processes in place. You need to do all your due diligence within the company, which is some of the things I'm going to go over today. Mm -hmm. But as well, when you're joining an existing team, which I am now, so I've come yeah. from starting up a team to an existing team, at some point you are starting over from scratch because you see things that are within the company or the processes and maybe that's something you have to change or improve. So you're always looking at it from a beginning stage and always trying to pull apart pieces that you need to put in place to make the improvements or start that whole process within. Okay, so it's for a little bit of both then. Yeah, really. a little bit okay. of both. Um, tell me a little bit about your overall approach to starting a team. So if you're thinking about maybe your first three months or your first six months and you're a new leader or you're starting up a new team, um, how, what's your approach? So it's going to be pretty equal, pretty similar to um, working with an existing team. But one of the first things you're going to want to do is learn that product. You're going to want to get to know the core team. So that could be sales project management, support, um, even your customers, and you'll also want to start that process of creating that internal playbook. Um, in tandem, you're going to want to look for those talented CSMs and preferably CSMs that have experience or at least come from a company that works with the type of product that you're using within that company. So say it's a marketing product, it'd be great to have CSMs that have um, familiarity in that space. Okay, um, so you mentioned kind of learning um, learning new products. What What's your approach for learning new products? How do you like to tackle that? Yeah, I personally like to throw myself in the fire. So I like to sit with support. Uh -huh. Support is where a lot of issues come up, where customers are calling in, or even sitting with them in their, in their logs and looking at their logs, whether it be they use Zendesk, and kind of see what the what the patterns are within there. A lot of times in support as well, you're also collecting um, product feedback from the customers, what they want. So I like to sit in there and learn that. Um, also sitting with clients, I could, you could do it via screen share or sit with them in person. I like to meet with them in person if I can and watch them use the product, you know, okay. see what they're doing with the product because sometimes part of what you know the product is is different than how the clients are using it. So that's part of learning the product as well. And then you can, of course, use your product manuals and um, sit into the onboarding trainings as well. Okay, cool. And then one of the things I know you mentioned um, at the beginning that you need to do in the first 30 days is really 
um, get to know your team. How, how do you like to do that? Yeah, I like to take them out of the environment. So typically, oh, I'll I do take, too. Do, yeah, yeah. yeah it works really well. I think they're yeah. a little bit more personal that yeah. way. Yeah. You know? So I tend to take them actually after work. I used to take them at lunch, and then you could see that they kind of felt like they were still working because it was during the work day. Uh-huh. So a lot of times I would, you know, just have them leave a little bit early with me. We would go offsite. It was outside of work. They were oh, going yeah. home right after. And then they opened up a bit more, and they would tell me what was going on, what they'd like to see improved, et cetera. And that's a really oh. great way for me. Cool. Yeah, I'm a fan of the coffee meeting myself. That yeah. one um, tends to work really well for me. But I try I try to get them at the beginning of the day and uh, get them out for coffee. So I think we, we tend to target the ends of the day. I do think that works better because it's before they kind of get into their normal flow of the day. Yeah. I agree with you on that, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, after your first 30 days, you kind of get into the, you know, maybe the next month. Um, it looked like from your blog post, you were really kind of recommending um, getting to know your budget and getting to know your customers. Um, why do you think understanding your budget is just as important as understanding your customers? Yeah, with um, understanding your customers, um, there's things that you'll learn over the process that you need to do. Um, maybe there's touch point or resources you need or tools you need to help mm-hmm. out your customers. That all takes budget, right? So it's important to um, make sure that they're having the best experience and that you, your renewal, of course, is going to be yeah. <laughs> coming up. So you want to make sure that they're, they'll upgrade, that you'll, they'll renew, and this is where your budget is going to come into play. For example, um, we had prime target clients that um, maybe were a possibility for upgrade, and I would go fly out and meet with them, or mm-hmm. one of the team members would. That's where a budget has to come in as well. Or maybe we would take them out to dinner or have a co-op event. So budget's going to be very important, and it kind of goes side by side with making sure your customers are happy and successful. Okay, cool. So you're in month three, and you need to roll out your new action plan to your team. What what have you found that works? And what I, I guess in the reverse of that would be, is there anything that your the listeners should definitely avoid? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So I like to do a lunch uh, roundtable. I think food kind of makes people happy. Oh yeah. I want to present <laughs> that plan, solicit feedback because I want it to be interactive. I want people to feel that they're a part mm-hmm. of of the process. I always talk about what was done prior and how what we're rolling out now is going to improve that. So what actions we're taking, very detailed because people would like to see the details and um, the thought process behind it. Um, I like to bring in topics that I know people are excited about. I've talked to them. I brought them out to their you know, dinner or their coffee. I know what's important to them. So those topics I like to bring up first to get them in the right mindset. And I always avoid, um, you talked about what you should avoid. Well, I like to keep away from putting negative on the previous um, ways that things were done, the previous processes. I don't want to bring up anybody's name, (laughs) anything like that. Try to put a positive spin on everything. And this is something that we're doing to improve processes rather than bring up that this was done the wrong way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Okay, so now we've we've done the 30-day... Point, we've done the 60-day point, and now we're at month three. Mm-hmm. So what should you really be focused on at your three-month mark as a new leader? Yeah, you're going to want to do your due diligence there and really understand the current process, um, what's going on, okay. and then you'll want to optimize it. If it's a new 
company or a new team, um, you probably have clients if it's a, even if it's a new company, there's probably several clients. So you'll still want to understand the process, even the support process, because that's part of the whole ecosystem and the sales process and um, start working on optimizing that. How do you like to optimize that? How do I like to optimize that? I like to see where things like, look at the onboarding take that apart from everything. Um, Onboarding sometimes can take a very long time. And when you look at a SaaS product, um, usually it's like a 12 month term, it could be a quarter term. And so when your customers go in and they see how much time onboarding is taking, sometimes at the renewal phase, they say, I didn't get started, (laughs) you know, until a month later, can we get a month free? So maybe that's somewhere you optimize. You look at the onboarding process and that's taking three weeks. So maybe you can condense that down to two weeks Mm -hmm. or maybe the system of a customer getting help and them going through support or going to you. Maybe that's a process that can be optimized. So there's a lot of things that you can look at and see how you can make it better and also more efficient. Okay. So then um, once you you have put your processes together, how do you like to roll that out to the team? Do you use automation for that or playbooks? What, what's your approach? Yeah, I like to do a combination of things. So definitely playbooks. I think okay. playbooks are like a living document. Yeah. Um, you're always changing, always improving them, but you have to have a basis and you want everybody following the same... Um, the same model, mm-hmm. so they have consistency, right? Right, yeah. You know, consistency is super important, especially if a CSM leaves or, or trades um, department's tools. For sure, you need to be logging things. You need to, um, I definitely am a big fan of customer success solutions uh-huh. yeah. um, because they're, they're made for customer success teams. And if somebody needs to step in, you're on vacation, or somebody needs to just get a glimpse, like me as a VP, I need to get a glimpse at what's going on with the clients. I can right. easily look into the solution and see what's going on. It's a lot more efficient that way. Yeah, I think the other thing, too, in, in combination of both the playbook and the automation is that um, one of the nice things about having everybody be consistent on the team is then you can measure whether, you know, through your automation, whether the plays are actually working or not exactly. in your playbook. Um, if everybody's doing something different, it's really hard to tell. Um, part part you mentioned in your blog post, part of the first six months really involves optimizing roles and people. And I know it's not something everybody really likes to talk about, but how do you tackle having someone in a role who isn't maybe a great fit? Yeah, and I've had to do this before, and it is it is quite uncomfortable, but very necessary. Um, and most likely this is going to come out when you're talking to the customers and talking with other team members and doing your due diligence, of course. Um, when you have somebody that's not the right fit, it might be a case of the vertical, it might be a case of the customer, it might be a case of their role within the CS team. If you have a CS team that's built with an onboarding um, team and a renewals team and then your main point of contact, which is your relationship type Mm -hmm. person, sometimes it can mean changing that person to another role. I have changed people from maybe the relationship to onboarding they fit mm-hmm. better there, yeah. but sometimes they're just not the right fit. And when they're not yeah. the right fit, um, I think the person knows it. And I think having an open conversation is really, really the best. But sometimes you can, like I said, move them within a different yeah. role within the CSM team. That's a great fit. That's actually why I like building teams within a CSM team. Yeah, I agree. I think that's nice because sometimes different skill sets are um, needed on the team, but maybe not in the role that person's in. And it's really nice when you can keep people that have all the experience with your product and your company and put them to use in an area where they can really shine. 
Um, Definitely. Okay, so after six months, you're going to need to start showing some positive improvements to the executive team and the board. So that's, um, you know, assuming that you're kind of the senior leader in customer success. Um, what's your favorite way to present that kind of information? And how do you make sure you're demonstrating the value of customer success um, to the organization as a whole. Yeah, exactly. Well, execs speak numbers. Yeah, <laughs> so that is true. I, I think it's super important to pull out metrics. Um, I always like to pull out metrics at the top because then you can put the uh, qualitative under mm-hmm. it, but they like to first look at those metrics. Sometimes that's the only thing they look at. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so at least making sure that you have them in there. And I think if you collect the metrics when you're starting the process mm-hmm. and then do a comparison later on when you're, you know, halfway through or when you're at a point where you're not finished because you're never finished, but right. at, a, at a point where you feel everything's pretty solid, having that comparison is, you know, really valuable for them. So things like efficiency of the team, you can do efficiency of the team. Efficiency could be onboarding, the onboarding process. We talked about this mm-hmm. earlier. That can yeah. be more efficient. That's definitely something that you can put a number on, put time on. Yeah. You know, um, ask the customers how you know to rate how happy they are with the process of onboarding in the beginning and mm-hmm. ask them this later at the end. You can look at the um, renewal ratings. Of course, you have to be careful with the renewal ratings because it could be um, a customer has doesn't have a budget anymore mm-hmm. or your main person left. So that one, you have to put a little bit of qualitative energy in there as mm-hmm. well. You want to make sure you're not shooting yourself in the, in the foot. And the revenue as well, if that's in their control. The MPS, MPS is really hot right now. Everybody uses MPS and execs love to see that MPS number. It can be on the product uh-huh. and also on the CSMs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's things I like to do. But again... I like to do pull qualitative in there as well because a metric is just a number. Uh-huh. Sometimes when you pull the qualitative in, it actually describes what that number means, um, where sometimes it's just a flat number that execs need a little bit more substance on. Right. Do you find that um, when you are showing numbers to the exec team um, that you, you need to um, add a lot of that qualitative um, in right now because they maybe don't? have a grasp of the CS metrics in the same way they do other teams in the organization, like the sales team, you know, because sales teams have been around in their current form for a really long time. So everyone just sort of knows what new sales numbers are. I find that. I have to do it a lot. When you're even talking about renewal numbers or the renewal percentage, you have to even pull that out and um, this percentage of people did not renew because they were the wrong target or, and you know, the CSM maybe got rated low, but they got rated low because the customer wasn't happy with the product. So they therefore rated the CSM low, but it really wasn't, they weren't doing their yeah. job. So sometimes you do, well, a lot of times you do have to add substance to that because there is a story behind each number. Right. Right. Um, so as we're wrapping up the podcast today, I want to make sure that the audience has some um, some takeaways, the things that they can really go and implement right away. So let's say somebody's listening to this podcast and they're starting a new team, but they only have time to do one or two of the things yeah. that you just mentioned, because we talked about a lot. Um, what would be the most important thing for them to focus on and why? Yeah, I talked about this earlier is learning the product and learning it well. I think the product is core. When you know the product and you can help your customers, therefore you become a trusted advisor, which mm-hmm. is a big role of the CSM, right? Being that trusted advisor. Um, you also take out a step in the fact that sometimes 
Um, you may have to say, oh, I need to go ask another person what the answer is. If you can answer it right away, that improves the efficiency, helps with renewals as well. And then you're the person that's going to help them to upgrade, whether or not you're the one actually doing yeah. the upgrade. <laughs> you're the one that's talking to them. You know where they need to upgrade. If you know that product well, you know what's going to be useful to them, and that resonates well with the clients. Okay. And then last question, um, what do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of things going on right now. I read all the blogs. Yeah. Um, I see a lot of trends in uh, where at one time there was one person, and I talked about this earlier as well, there was one person handling the CSM role, and they were almost like, you know, multitasking to the extreme, right? Yeah. But now I see a lot more trends where teams are being broken out into uh, specialists. So that onboard specialist, that relationship specialist, that renewal specialist, where there's experts within the team that focus on that one area because you can see a lot of issues with too much crossover where here, I'm going to do your onboarding. Wait, now I'm going to be your relationship. Right. Now I'm going to go to the renewal. And it actually conflicts sometimes when you have a lot of customers coming in the door and rolling in the door. Yeah. Um, it takes away from the efficiency. So I see a lot more of that going on where teams are being more experts within that expert CSM team. Yeah, we find that a lot at the Success League too, where we, especially when we're working with earlier stage startup companies where they've maybe had one CSM or two CSMs and they do everything. And they are hitting that point where in order to scale, they need to figure out how to split those roles apart. And so we get a lot of questions about that right now. Like yeah. how do we, how and when do we break apart these roles into sub roles that sort of make sense underneath the customer success umbrella? And I think a lot of companies are trying to figure that out so yeah yeah, it really resonates with me (laughs) and what those roles mean and what how you describe those roles and where one exactly yeah 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 yeah. there's a lot of um, defining swim lanes that goes on between those roles but I think you're right you know customers get confused if you're trying to do everything for them um, and then they start to kind of question you know your level of knowledge because how can you be good at everything there are unicorns out there that can be good at everything but they're sort of few and far between so Yeah. So Kim, thanks so much for joining us today and for your insights. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. Um, For any of our listeners who are interested in reading Kim's blog post about starting up a customer success group, you can visit the Strike Deck blog page and look for 10 steps to a winning CS team, or you can just click the link on the podcast page. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and you can follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. And to find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. And finally, thanks for listening to this podcast, and we hope you'll join us next time.